This is the Doctor Who Podcast, and you are most welcome. Well, we have a full camper van. Hmm, I just can't remember what we're supposed to be discussing. Michelle, Michelle will know. Michelle, oi, wake up, wake up, Michelle. What are we talking about today? It's a long story. one and all welcome to another doctor who podcast christmas tunes are in the air if you've been anywhere near a local shopping center in the past fortnight so it must be christmas and we must have a doctor who christmas special on our screens yes 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 thank thank you for confirming that guys your your <laughs> enthusiasm is infectious no, the it, listeners I, must love it i was just it. thinking you know because of your opening i'm i'm moving to australia if you've only had christmas right. music for 2 weeks then i am leaving the uk and i'm going to live in australia we've had it since october well you see the thing is most of the places i go like mortuaries don't play christmas carols for very long up to christmas so right. if you go to places like that... Death at Christmas. <laughs> Wonderful. Everybody else goes Christmas shopping and Trevor, oh, I'm just down to the graveyard. Just, just trying to find down a cyber the brigadier again. Still. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to give you options to escape that, you know, jingle bells on, you know, rapid repeat that every shop has. I, I also try and, and, and avoid shopping centres, I think, because... Uh, it, they're they're insane. I mean, especially the few weeks up till Christmas and the Boxing Day sales, which we have here in Australia. Yeah, people were lining yeah. up from 10 p.m. on Christmas night for the 5 a.m. opening Crackers. for the Boxing Day sales. Well, that's much that is more insane. Americanized than North American, I think, uh, than than the yeah. British. I think um, Boxing Day in America, and it sounds like Australia as well, is is akin to Black Friday or that kind of stuff. You know, it's just another mm. holiday here, and the vast majority of shops are still still shut. It's getting well, you, a lot you, worse here. Oh. I can other than the traditional Harrods sale, where everyone goes completely yeah. nuts and kills each other over a fur coat. I Boy, you so guys be- are just really cheerful. This is not Christmas cheer. <laughs> no, no. This well, is like a Moffat-style DWP. Merry Christmas, all. <laughs> Merry Christmas, one and all. I mean, it's very in tune with what Mr. Moffat gives us at Christmas. I mean, you know, we're many, many years long past now from the RTD, you know, pieces of fluff with uh, animatronic Santas and stuff like that. And, 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 and certainly with last Christmas, we're now into the uh, very, very murky waters of horror and suspense and just really, really frightening things. Nightmare. Mm. Nightmare indeed, yes. <laughs> so have, Merry you, Christmas. have you started giving your your summary in Trevor? It was a very, very smooth segue into into oh, your yes. feelings and reviews about this. Okay, well go on then. Let's 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 hit hit us with it. What did what did you think? All right, okay. Um I'm I th- I think I'm generally with this one. I th- I think it's certainly one of the better things we've seen this year from Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. In some respects that's not saying a lot for me personally, but I think what we saw on screen was very slickly done. It's really it's a really solid production. The only thing that doesn't sit with me very well are probably the two things that don't sit with me very well are it's um barefaced what do you call it? homaging, stealing, referencing, whatever you want to call it, of lots of popular things like Aliens and Die Hard and Inception and stuff like that. And just some of the mechanics to do with some of the dream sequence bits where, you know, we're sort of delivered with the premise that the crabby things are trying to create this wonderfully positive experience. But there are so many instances, even at the beginning of a dream state, where 
it's quite a negative experience. So I think that works against it a little bit. But all in all, I I, I think it was really really enjoyable. Um, it it's it was it was just quite a surprise to get quite a horror filled uh, Christmas special. Okay, no, I think that's a fairly um, neat summary and not a million miles away from the way I feel. But uh, Michelle, go on, you tell us. What did you think? Well, I, for the most part, I liked this. Uh, interesting you talk about the horror story and the nightmare qualities, Trev, because I uh, watched it with my 11-year-old last night on airing, and he found this to be one of the most scary ones um, that he had seen. He, he was really affected, I think, by the dream sequences, and he didn't like the fact that things could appear in the dream suddenly, sp- specifically thinking of things like the, the chalkboard, which which do- is, not a, is not a criticism. I think it worked really well, and he did, in the end, actually enjoy this pretty well. I, I I liked it. I liked the, uh, the the fairly self-contained story. I liked the idea of the dream crabs and the, the sleepy heads. Um, I liked, I think, where we ended up with a second chance for the doctor and for Clara. Um, and uh, with, I'm hoping that they, through this process, resolved some of the issues that we dealt with the, the second part of season eight, and that they can move forward and, and be the TARDIS team that that. I kind of enjoyed in the first half of season eight, where it's the two of them going and having adventures together without uh, out a, without a lot of the uh, the personal drama. So yeah. I, you know, I see I, I see hope for the future. I like the second chance thing. I think maybe they've learned and grown from the experiences that they had in in season eight and specifically the the last few episodes. Um, maybe they'll be kind of wiser and more honest as they go forward. So so for the most part, I liked it. Only thing maybe that niggled a little bit for me is is sort of the bleak undercurrent um the idea of last christmas and and we all get together at christmas time because we think we might never see each other again um while there may be some element of that i don't think that's the primary motivation when i get together with friends and family it's mostly to be together and enjoy friends and family and celebrate the season together oh. so there, <laughs> well, yeah for, yeah it's yeah, uh, really hoping it's going to be the last christmas with a family <laughs> 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 so it's quite a positive message for me <laughs> no but but you know for the most part i, I enjoyed it i didn't this isn't one i'm going to uh, rave about but i also i certainly didn't hate it i thought it i thought it was a, a fairly decent story yeah, yeah, no, I, I would agree. I have to say this is probably the best episode of Doctor Who this year for me, and uh, I, I, mm. I really, really liked it. I mean, Trevor, you, you said right at the outset, you know, the homage or the pastiches to Inception and Alien and so on. Um, I, I generally have a problem with that when the story isn't very good in its own right, and yet I think it didn't matter this time. I think the story was good enough and interesting enough for it to actually add something as opposed mm. to just make you think, oh, this is a bit of a rip-off. But there were there were other things as well. I mean, Vanilla Sky I uh, was really uh, pushed into the forefront of my mind. And uh, and Red Dwarf, there's a couple of episodes of Red Dwarf where, you know, alternate realities are um, are, are examined and you don't know really where you are at oh. any one moment. Um, the, the biggest thing for me Vanilla is that I... Sky. Sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say Vanilla Sky. Wouldn't it have been awesome if Cameron Diaz was in this? Well, yeah, but then again, there's there's two things in life that make everything better. One of them is Daleks. The other one's Cameron Diaz. So there you go. Um, I I did spend the first 30 minutes or so thinking, when is Toby Jones going to turn up? Because this, how how they didn't connect any of this to the Dream Lords, I have no idea. But it actually took some stretch, I think, to to keep the two two kinds of... um, villains apart but uh but for me i i thoroughly enjoyed it um it was extremely scary probably the scariest and darkest episode of doctor who for me uh but i i really really enjoyed that 
Um, I, I love Nick Frost's performance. Um, I, I thought that was superb. I had no idea how they were going to legitimately and sensibly include the character of Santa Claus. And of course, if it's all a dream, then that works really, really well. But uh, the, the, the only person I think who is slightly underserved here, I say person, only character, was uh, Michael Troughton's character, who I think was underused uh, quite considerably. And um, he liked what he did, but he was hardly on screen. But yeah, for me, not really very much else to say other than really, really good mm. stuff. And it's kind of restored my faith in, in Moffat's writing. One question I will ask just before Ian goes on this, but I'm, I, I am interested <laughs> in what you think. The scene that was at the end of Death in Heaven that interrupted the credits, was that a dream when, a, <laughs> when Santa entered the TARDIS as well? Oh, yes, it had to be. That's so that was clearly a dream as it had well. to be. Fine. Yeah, he Thank had. A, he had. A, the doctor had already entered the dream. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ian, yes. what does Ian think? <laughs> well, I'm generally with with most of you. I thought this was a, a good story, very good story, in fact. Um, for quite a while, me and a number of other people have been wanting to go back to the sort of more classic Who, scary monster, scary story, sort of almost Tom Bakerish type thing. And I think this really delivered on that. So uh, the monster was very effective. I think it was it was made very well. Uh, Clara didn't annoy me in fact I thought Clara's performance was quite strong Danny Pink's return didn't annoy me I thought it it fitted well within the story and delivered nicely didn't overstay its welcome um, wasn't too horrible no it's actually very very well delivered the sort of double spoof ending at the end with the old Clara was really nicely done although a part of me liked that as an out for Clara I mean we've had two outs for Clara now and well I suppose Arguably, we've had many outs for Clara, but uh, uh, I actually thought that would have been a nice place to land Clara's character as well. But now she's coming back. Um, I, I'm just going to say here that uh, I'm saying total recall for the homage rather than uh, Inception <laughs> and works. all this modern stuff. I'm going to go <laughs> way back from old school with this. So, yeah, good, good story, fun story. I, I had no problems with it at all as a grown up. My only slight concern was actually relating to the kids. And it's not the scariness, although. My kids were both very scared of this and they were sitting there with their fingers in front of their eyes peeking through the gaps. Uh, no problem with that. That's what Doctor Who should be doing. In fact, it hasn't done enough of it. So I'm, I'm glad to see that coming back. And I think the level of scariness was of an order of the Weeping Angels, which are classic monsters. No problem with that at all. The bit that I and my wife as well both were cringing a bit, especially at the beginning of the show, was the very direct way it asked the question of, is Santa real? Um, and that's because mm-hmm. both of my kids believe, uh, eight and ten, they both still uh, believe. Uh, my younger one fervently and passionately still believes. Um, and it's a sort of, I mean, yesterday morning when he came down and uh, opened all of his presents under the tree and saw the presents from Santa, he was just absolutely overflowing with joy at this whole thing. And we were uncomfortable with the direct way that the program addressed that topic in well, it's a family show at Christmas and there's going to be kids watching. I know it's not a, a kid's show, but it is a family show. The kids will be there. And I think a lot of parents will be uncomfortable with the direction it took on that. And I thought that was like so many of these things that, that Moffat is. And I think there's almost an arrogance of the way Moffat has gone after some of these subjects in the last season and dealt with them quite crudely. I and mean, we discussed that a number of times before. This for me was another one. It's not his place to have that debates and there's all kinds of views on this debate as to whether you should or shouldn't talk to your kids about this 
I don't think it's Moffat's place to do that for us. And that I wasn't very happy with. Did it end up leading into any uncomfortable conversations? I, I know I was a little bit concerned with my own son about this, who, and Kenneth, um, you know, last night had set up the, the hot chocolate with the candy cane in it and the, and the cookie and, and was very concerned that we not build a fire in the fireplace. And, and indeed, we had some wood in front of the fireplace that he carefully removed so that Santa would not have any trouble getting into our to our home to deliver the presents. And um, James rather charmingly sent me <laughs> a very strongly worded note uh, saying, watch this before your son watches it. Make sure you see this before your son sees it. And, um, and indeed, I did and, and went ahead and watched it with Ken. So I'm curious, did your kids, did it bring up any uncomfortable conversations? Because I think you're right. I think it was treading pretty close to the edge there. Not not so far. However, they were mostly, frankly, half terrified by the sort of head crab things. So (laughs) we we, we spent most of the time doing what it's supposed to do. It's terrifying kids. Good stuff. We watched it relatively late because we had a zillion phone calls to family around the world. So it was quite late when we finished watching it. So we spent the immediate time after the show trying to calm them down and distract them and talk about anything else other than the head cram so they'll go, go to sleep. And there was no conversation before we got them off. <laughs> Doctor, Doctor Who is a bedtime story. It, it's just brilliant. No, I, I am chuffed. Doctor Who is still scaring people. And um, could, I mean, I. I Bearing in mind, I'm, I, I, my six-year-old isn't remotely interested in Doctor Who anyway, so she's not going to sit down and watch this. I mean, I wouldn't have let her anyway. Having seen this first, there is no way she would have seen this. But I, I'm not sure about this, but I would have thought the way that the Father Christmas thing was done was quite good, just because everything, with the exception of the last scene, was a dream. So therefore, mm-hmm. Father Christmas is a figment of an imagination within the story. It doesn't actually mm-hmm. go as far as to say, well, are you real? Are you not real? Because the story actually frames that and says, no, this is a dream. It, it doesn't, yeah. but it very directly asks the question, is he real? And talks at some length that, that a great many people in the real world don't believe he is real. And just yeah. by putting the question out there, you put the seed of doubt in kids' minds. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it, it's interesting for me because I think it really depends on what age. I mean, I've, I've, got, I've got quite a spread of kids in terms of age, and my 15- and 13-year-old are, are beyond the point of believing that Santa Claus is real, so, so they were fine with this. And the horror aspects of what we've come to be used to with Doctor Who this year, certainly. Um, my five-year-old hasn't seen it yet. Um, I, I, I got the same frantic message from James as well, saying, don't let him watch this. And I've, I've watched it twice, and the second time cemented my... I, I won't be showing this to my five-year-old Alex, not because it has doubts in there about whether Santa Claus is real, but because of the horror aspects. If it didn't have the horror aspects, I'd, I'd be more than happy to show it and let Alex have fun with the whole concept of is Santa Claus real or not? Because I think every kid deep down at some fundamental level does have doubts about whether he's real or not because most kids realise that you know, mum and dad have gone and bought presents and stuff like that. And most mum and dads, if they're anything like me and Megan, spend the night before hurriedly wrapping <laughs> stuff to stick under the tree. Well, it's so... funny, funny you should say that, Trevor, because Natasha, N- N- Natasha um, asked us to, <laughs> on Christmas morning, why has Father Christmas used our Christmas wrapping paper? 
<laughs> and, and rookie mistake, rookie mistake. You oh, need yes. separate oh, yes. Yes. But oh, she'd man. helped. She'd helped us um, wrap other relatives, you see. And then she came down under the tree, and, so, and I said, "Well, well, well, well." Sometimes Father Christmas runs out of things, and he must have seen ours, and he used it. And I said it in a slightly more convincing way than I just did, but it was quite panicky. <laughs> but dear, Angela dear, and I shot, out, you know, looks at each other, thinking we, we, we got away with it. But um, I, I actually agree. I like the idea, and I think this is a very personal thing. Um, but I, I, I think um, it very much depends on the child and the parents. But I quite like the idea of Natasha asking questions, and eventually, when she suddenly says, "Is he mm. real?" I will probably end up saying, "Well, what do you think?" And if she ends up saying, "No," be no, you're right. And it's a good way for for me mm. just to mm. lead her into the truth. <laughs> but you know, I, 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 I think this one is 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 nowhere near overt as what we've had in series eight so far. I mean, it's nowhere near the stuff like "Don't take drugs, kids." I mean, that that was overt no. and that was uncalled for. But this Santa Claus thing, I I can't really put it at anywhere near the same level as some of the other stuff that our dear doctor has been trying to push down our throats this year. Um, well, it, it you know, in the end, it, it wasn't a problem because, as you say, it all was said in a, in a dreamscape anyway, and my son certainly clued into and really enjoyed the aspects of the dream uh, while being scared by them at the same time. But is it a dream? Uh, partway through the episode, halfway through the episode, he said, how do they know they're still not dreaming? Yeah. So he had actually picked he had actually picked up on some of the plot elements better than I did the, 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 for the first time I watched it. And indeed, I like the fact that at the very end, the very last sequence, the tangerine um, materializes as the TARDIS dematerializes. So so <laughs> if, if you make it through to the end... Does I, it materialize I th- or... Uh, or- I, I just thought it was the light from the TARDIS outside um, bringing it into view. Yeah, I, Did it I, actually I got, I got the shadow, yeah. I think so too. It was there. It was there all along. My 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 tangerine materialized. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I and I like I like tangerines. While we're on orange round objects, what is this about tangerines? Is 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 this a U of K thing again? I knew it. I knew this is going to happen. I saw this a lot it, online it was as well. Total bewilder. I mean, I, I mean, I sort of in the end sort of thought, well, maybe it's just a U of K thing that it's a traditional it gift that. You know, like you give fruit baskets or something, and there's a tangerine in it, and, and there's a walnut. I think no, there's, you know, there's, there's always uh, a thing that Father Christmas leaves stuff in stockings. We use them to damp down our, our knocking pipes so they don't make so much noise. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the other thing. I mean, that, that that just seemed to me like it was a British thing. Um, Ian, I'm not I, 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 sort of I have to say, not so much a tangerine. What's the difference? Orange, yeah, I would say I would have said orange too. Although well, we use mandarins nowadays because they're the perfect yeah. size. I mean, there was tangerines a, 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 in my house when I was a kid. A, 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 What's it, the difference between a tangerine and an orange? <laughs> a, a, a I don't eat either, but they're, they're, they're smaller. A tangerine is a satsuma and it's segmented. An orange is not. Oh, so a mandarin? Yes. I don't know. A mandarin for me, I thought was something in um, China. <laughs> No, a mandarin, mandarin is a is, is a, a small orange. orange object with segmented bits in it. So a mandarin is a tangerine. Okay, right. Well, there, there's a bit then of why a didn't history. they say mandarin? There's, there's What's a this bit of tangerine nonsense. <laughs> there's not there's a bit of a history with oranges and Advent. I'm not here. British. <laughs> but uh, aside from that, no. There we go. Anyway, this is turned into a bit of a. Either is we're back on real food. It's Trev here, and we're back on food. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, okay, we, we will get back to the episode. Um, <laughs> I, I briefly mentioned at the beginning there I, I probably wasn't on board with it being as inception-y as it should have been. And then when they layer on top of that the um, the alien facehugger stuff, I mean, I know they tried to be meta, 
and you know actually directly mention the movie during it but i'm not sure even with a meta reference like that it's it's excusable to be that overt um i i enjoyed the idea of dream within a dream but we went so far down the route of being as close to Inception as possible. I don't know. It, it, it just lacked a little bit of originality for me. It didn't bother yeah, me, That's I hardly new. Mm. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there's been stories like that all through the history of Doctor Who where they've shamelessly ripped off Frankenstein with the brain mm. of Morbius or Dracula with... Um, uh, oh, State of Decay. There we go. Got there in the end. Um, yeah, right, right from the outset, there's been all kinds of Doctor Who stories that are very clearly lifted from uh, other elements of popular culture, and I don't have any problem with that at all. It was even explained within the story because it was all being triggered by the girl's uh, Christmas uh, watch list. You know, she was going to watch Alien and the Thing, and that's why her and the mm, Miracle of Thirty Fourth mm. Street, and so that, that's why her dream was based on those things. So they even explained it, which they don't usually do. That's what I mean by the whole, you know, you know, sort of meta reference thing. I mean, I, I, I think it's trying to be clever and say we do realize we're being totally you know ripping off stuff and here's a list to explain it just so you can't whinge and say that we were ripping stuff well, off no, it depends how but it's that's done. the way dreams work that's how dreams work you you, you take mm. elements of real life and they work into the dream uh well not that inception is real life but things you've seen that's one of the first times doctors actually bothered to explain its ripoffs usually just does it that's uh, because it was so overt it needed to explain no, it. it i mean it wasn't I think overt, when... it was deliberate it was it was quite deliberate and it was the case that people were watching films as ian says the night before and it actually wove itself into the story and ian's also right there's lots of other um homages or rip-offs look at planet of the dead planet of the dead is based on so many different horror films and it borrows elements but it does it really badly and and, and the story itself is is not made better for it whereas i think this time around it was a it was a deliberate use of, of real life stuff within a dream state in a story about dreams it just worked for me i mean it was because of the way because of the way it was written this time but generally i'm, I'm with you i don't like blatant rip-offs without any kind of you know intelligent reason for doing so um just because someone thought it was a good idea let's do that in doctor who is not good enough for me and i think you know the doctor the widow in the wardrobe for example was very much that it it was just a case of i like the idea let's just do it and forget about the actual quality of the story we're telling answer me this james i mean i'm I'm, i need to know the answer to this oh dear you're assuming i know the answer do, do, do they give you a whole basket of tangerines or is it like part of another display <laughs> thing? Great. Right, okay. Here, the history of tangerines and citrus fruit in the UK at, at Christmas. D- during Advent, they have something called a Christingle. Do you know what a Christingle is? I'm not sure I know what an Advent is apart from popping out bits of chocolate every day for the, for the month of December. Yeah, well, you've got the spiritual and the religious version of that down to a pat. Well done. Yeah, it's the first 24 <laughs> days of December. And it culminates in, well, in the Church of England, at least, in some kind of decoration that has four oranges on it. And for every week of December, you either eat one or remove one. <laughs> I mean, there is some kind of spiritual significance there, which I'm not overly familiar with um but it's kind of manifested itself in within every child stocking there should be an orange or a tangerine of some kind and yeah it does seem to be a uk thing because i've seen my american friends certainly saying what the hell was all that about and <laughs> no no that's not true that's not true actually i think it in some families the tradition continues here in the united states and and some don't have it we we certainly put a, a tangerine well a, a mandarin orange now in the toe of, of every stocking but but um yeah, no, I think a lot of families do it, but some don't. So, wow, just just this whole new world. 
Now, a, a banana would fit in the toe of a stocking a lot better than a mandarin or a tangerine. Why don't if, they if, put bananas in the end? If, if you go back uh, enough years, I mean, I know that my mum, who grew up in sort of uh, quite significant poverty in Glasgow in the 40s, having a tangerine in her stocking would have been a significant treat because they didn't mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. fruit, and oh, particularly right. international fruit like that. So it's perhaps a, a bit anachronistic now, but there, there's certainly some some serious history behind it, just to carry on the citrus uh, podcast theme. Well, guys, I wish you'd stop bringing up tangerines. Can we actually talk about the episode again, please? <laughs> uh, does it leave a bitter taste in the mouth? I don't know. I've never eaten one. No, that's a lemon anyway, so don't worry. Let's rewind 20 minutes, James. Up until 20 minutes ago, I didn't know what a tangerine was, apart from it was orange, and it was an orange-type thing. Oh, well, and now I... you're asking whether I've eaten one. No, well, Please I'm, keep up, James, I'm, I'm, come on. I'm, if, if, if Post didn't take so long uh, to get to Australia, especially when I use their services, then, then I, I would send you one. But it would be rotten <laughs> by the time it gets there. Anyway. I want one in a stocking. But yeah, anyway. The actual episode itself. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the the various dream states in it, and you know, you know, for the most part, I did enjoy them, but there were certain points in it which I think I know what you're going to explain it with, but I'm I'm going to ask the question anyway. There were certain points where they entered dream states. I, I suppose most notably the bit with Danny, and Clara was happy to be there. He was in a Christmas mm-hmm. suit, and you know, it was all roses and whatever. But then the doctor turns up the character of, of Danny that the dream crabs had put there suddenly was also trying to help Clara get out of the dreamscape. And there, there were certain points in it that uh, it, it, it seemed to me totally against what the dream crabs were doing, that they were, that they were forcing this um, very positive state on their captives like Clara. And it, it just seemed to be a little bit inconsistent for me. That was explained in the story. Um, the doctor said that, uh, and he was referencing Santa when he said it, that your subconscious knows something is wrong and tries to help you by putting in these characters who are there to assist. And Santa was the obvious one that uh, they'd been creating, but Danny Pink was another one. So they, they directly addressed that question. And, I would and actually strongly it. argue whether, whether Danny was one or not. Certainly at the beginning, when she was incredibly happy to be there, he, he um, got her out of bed, but then she started seeing all the stuff like the doctor was trying to message her and then Danny started helping the doctor to try and get Clara out of the dreamscape. And that, that, but, that works. But, 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 just as they were leaving, um, Clara reverted into this, oh my goodness, this is such a wonderful feeling, I'm, I'm going to hold you forever, Danny, let's enjoy these last five seconds or five minutes. That seemed to me like she was slipping back into it. I mean, it, and and, and the, the Danny persona was also getting right into it, saying, oh, you know, it's fantastic to see you again, blah, 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 blah. That, that, that's that, that to me just seemed a little bit inconsistent. No, I, I think it works perfectly because Clara is wrestling. I mean, she knows what the reality of things are because the Doctor is in the shared dream and she knows the Doctor is correct, which is why her positive projection, so to speak, which is Danny, is reinforcing what the Doctor says. But deep down at the bottom of Clara's heart, if you like, or maybe maybe a bit higher up even, she likes being with Danny. And therefore she's torn, which is what makes that scene so beautiful for me. But everything that Ian said earlier is absolutely spot on and it's how I interpreted it as well. But wouldn't that make it more difficult to get Clara out of that dreamscape if... Danny just suddenly flips around and starts being all loving yeah, and nice. Yeah, it was, and, let, and that's why and she was reluctant to go. That's why she was reluctant to go, but she did. 
because she knew it was the right thing to do. For me, it was one of the very few emotional scenes that Moffat's written over the last few episodes that actually had a bit of an impact for me because uh, Death in Heaven washed over me emotionally <laughs> completely. Uh, but this this scene, that, that particular scene where she wakes up and she goes downstairs and you know she gradually realizes that she shouldn't you know this is this isn't reality i thought it just worked really well and i didn't object to danny pink and samuel anderson's reappearance in the slightest i thought it worked really really nicely okay let's talk volcanoes what's the go with those two scenes at the volcano are we meant to think we're back at the end of series eight again i I even had a look at a bit of fan speculation online and there are people drawing the incredibly long bow that this is the beginning of the tie-in to fires of pompeii somehow um (laughs) really yeah yeah really really really. i've only seen it on one occasion you see there's there there are people that are saying it's some weird plot thing that you know dark water and uh Death in Heaven never happened. It was all a dream. Uh, you know, Danny's going to come back. Oh, God, I can hardly wait for that. Um, then there are people saying that it ties in with Fires of Pompeii. Then there are the realists who just say that it's the production team being lazy and reusing a set. Well, wasn't he just in a dream? Well, in the story, when he woke up there, he wasn't fully awake anyway, was he? That wasn't reality because it was only the last No, I think it was. Scene. I think that right. was where he was when the crab got him. Uh, and I, di- I didn't yeah. take it as being the same volcano that he had visited with Clara. I just took it as, I just I just took it as being some alien alien world where he happened to run afoul of a of a dream crab that Well, hang that, on, hang uh, on. I can't, whole, can't be right. He never be, visited it, a volcano in in dark water. That was also a dream because he right. put some sort of psychic thing on the key. So they, there was never a volcano in dark water. It was also mm. exactly as. But but the, in in this one, he was in the volcano several times as he was coming out Inception style. And supposedly, when he last woke up, he was there. Why is why was it so identical? I mean, surely the production team would have realised that the, the the dreamscape one from Dark Water is going to look like a facsimile of the one from this story, and it's going to get the fans talking. I mean. Is it just a big, you know, sort of Stephen Moffat, ha, 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 I'm fooling you type of thing? Or is, is there more to it? I don't think there's anything more to it. <laughs> I didn't even notice it. <laughs> so. I, I didn't think there's anything particularly to it. So I think it, it, it's potentially Moffat yanking our chain or, you know, a, a lava world is just another way of doing an, uh, an alien planet. So to be honest with you, they could have been on any planet and Doctor Who plans would have, fans would have linked it to some story from somewhere you know it could have put a purple sky in there and people will be going back to uh was it survival had the purple sky and saying oh mm-hmm. right actually everything since survival's been a dream and you know that, that's the way doctor who fans are they just love making connections yeah but i i think sometimes either the production team makes it too easy or there is something more there i mean there's probably tons of different ways you could film an unconscious person lying beside an active volcano and make it look incredibly different. It it just seems so so similar. Whether it's an error or whether it's deliberate, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's, I mean, it's probably I, I, just a slight thing to try and make the audience think. Well, is this a dream? Because last time you woke up from this place, it was a dream. So you're thinking, well, what? It's a dream again, but it is reality, perhaps. I mean, I I don't think it's hugely important in terms of story. But what what does make me smile is is hearing you say. That fans are linking it back as far as uh, as as far as a Pompeii, mm. and perhaps that's the reason why the Doctor's got the same face as Cacilius or yep. whatever it is. That, I've that's, read people saying that. Yeah, that's, uh, it, that's it, actually quite brilliant. When I read it. That that's the problem when you have a look at Gallifrey Base and see what the fans are thinking, and 
and and you head down that very very long shaft and so you never return. <laughs> in season nine, in season nine, the Doctor's going to wake up and he'll be like David Tennant again, and everything since then has been a dream. But Clara will be there all, all of season nine. Ed, did you read yeah. that today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a fairly definitive statement mm. at the end of the episode, anyway, wasn't it? You know, then we'll be back. Um, but I think most people thought that Clara would be back for the first few episodes of season nine. But the the press release is. You know, it confirms the whole of season nine, and I and I wonder, you know, given the fact that the story in Last Christmas was a little bit, is Clara going? Is she staying? Is she going? Was all that a little bit of a, you know, deliberate misleading or a way of trying to keep the fans interested in in Clara's um, continued presence, or has it always was it has it always been? Uh, guaranteed that she was going to be there for season nine. I mean, I, I I don't really mind that she is, whether she isn't. I mean, for me, it's all about the stories. I mean, so long so long as they make certain that she doesn't revert back to this bland companion, then that's that's fine fine by me. I think the story would have worked better had we not known that she was continuing on. And I almost wonder, we didn't. you know, that the news that she, well, but but we there was an announcement. I don't know, a month ago or something, that she would be continuing on into no, into no, season no, nine. No, and maybe not from the BBC. There well, wasn't. <laughs> absolutely, that was just Trev. Well, it, well it was, no, 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 no. Trev, Trev thought she was leaving, and so I think it would have. It became. Let's put it this way: it became known that she was going to continue on into season nine, and I have a hunch maybe the production team would rather not. Would rather that have not been known because this the whole idea of the of the last Christmas would have worked better, I think, if we did believe that this was in all likelihood her last story. And, and as it happened, um, my son thought this was going to be her last story because there was a time when we all thought it was going to be her last story, and I, I had told him that, and I hadn't got I don't know I hadn't gotten around to telling him that the the news was she would continue. But and so he actually, he actually, it was, it was known. It, it was, was all, but it was, it was, he, not, not he was, really wasn't. I didn't know. <laughs> it was reported widely. The BBC yeah. have never said anything about it. So if people were saying it has been confirmed, they were wrong. It was reported by the Daily Mirror. Um, the BBC wouldn't and have never confirmed her continued presence in the show or said that she was going to go. It was all conjecture. I think maybe in my defence and perhaps others who've said it before elsewhere, um, the press release today mentioned words like toing and froing. So it sounds like it's been a decision and, and she's jumped backwards and forwards from either leaving at Christmas or uh, leaving early next year. And But now she's decided, no, I'm going to be here for the whole year. So... It, it really sounds like maybe last Christmas got a bit of a, a slight rewrite at the end, perhaps, because I, I really do think she she would have been there for the first few episodes of next year, and then that's it. But now that the decision's been made that she's going to be there for the whole lot, then they've changed the ending. Maybe we might have had the old Clara as some sort of poignant ending. Who knows? It would have worked. I'll say that, Mark. Mm. It would have mm. worked quite mm. well. But um, I, I don't think they would have just rewrote the end of this script just to accommodate Clara, uh, Jenna Coleman saying, yes, I will, no, I won't. So I, I think it was either all engendered by the BBC, a few strategic link uh, leaks here and there to say, oh, she's going, oh, actually, no, she's staying, possibly. And then at the end, the first time the BBC has said anything about her staying on for the next year is uh, is today, or, or as we're recording, mm-hmm. the, the press release today. But I do have one question, and Michelle, it's mainly directed at you. Oh, if that was a TARDIS, how the heck did Missy get out of that tangerine? I mean, it's too small. 
Capaldi couldn't get out of his miniaturised TARDIS. How could Missy get out of the tangerine? Tell me. Oh, you have completely lost me. It is far too early in the morning. What are you talking about, Trev? You said before (laughs) that the tangerine materialised. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it did. I think, yeah. The listeners are going to pick it up. I tell you, that that's one thing about all the TARDISes through the year that they, you know, that at least they've made them big enough so, like, you know, the Sixth Doctor can walk out from behind the big organ, or you know, you know, the Master can jump from behind a pillar. But how the heck does someone get out of a tangerine once it's materialised? Because oh, <laughs> tell me that. It, it all makes sense now. The Doctor was on San from Planet of Fire when the Master was hmm. miniaturised. And so the miniaturised master's Ooh. in the tangerine. Oh, we did it. Oh, okay, there and we it's go. Been a dream. It's been a dream since Planet of Fire. <laughs> Coming in season nine, I, I Peter always Davison is the doctor. <laughs> Peter Davison is the doctor, absolutely. Fantastic. <laughs> I think we probably ought to just spend uh, a bit of time talking about some of the guest cast because we've not really spoken about them at all. Um, what, what did you think of Dan Starkey, not as Strax? Which one was Dan Starkey? Was he the... Um, elf. Dude? That one of the wasn't... elves. Oh, one of the elves. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were all right, but... Um, totally superfluous, you know. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, they were there for a bit of comic relief, yeah. I suppose. And yeah. you know, I mean, I, I, I was mainly concentrating on uh, Mr. Frost, more than them, uh, because I thought he was the more interesting character to follow, um, because I, I, I suppose a certain chunk of the story did revolve around him and whether he was real or not. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they they were just background for me. I, en- I enjoyed the guest cast. I, I don't know who any of them were. I mean, I, I had even forgotten that that was David Troughton, but um, Michael. Uh, I, I thought I thought was, the... Su- you'd, you'd forgotten him so much to, that he was actually Michael I, Troughton. Oh, no, oh, gosh, don't... Edit that, would you? Yeah, <laughs> I'd even sure. forgotten that it, I'd even forgotten Trevor, that it was Michael Trump. Don't edit. Just leave it in. Leave it in. <laughs> oh, any rate, the guest cast was great. I really did enjoy all the supporting characters. Are we, are we just going to... Have we got anything else to say? This is the problem when we like an episode. We're useless. <laughs> <laughs> All four of us. Yeah, no, no, good. James, right. James, James, that's always the problem. I don't think it depends <laughs> yeah. on whether we like you. <laughs> yes. I think you've kind of hit it there, not not to the fact we're useless, James. I, I probably could spend a whole podcast contesting that. I, I think generally we, we all did really enjoy this one. Mm. I mean, I, I probably had a few more problems than most, which which is pretty usual for me, because <laughs> I'm, I'm never a fan of Doctor Who being overtly referential. Um, but I, I did appreciate that it was for the story and it was a really solidly put together story. So... Um, it's just something I'm never going to be able to show to to my five year old probably for a few years. It, it it was just a real surprise to get a Christmas special that was so scary and so horror filled. No, it's certainly a big difference to to the previous ones. And I guess if you end up, I think this is the tenth Christmas special now. Actually, um, if you take a look back at some of the earlier RTD ones, there were moments in there that were almost pantomime and uh, I, I I do like Doctor Who at Christmas, I like the way it kind of tweaks the format um, and sometimes it gets it really, really really, really right and I, and I would suggest that perhaps with the questionable horror element being so so overt uh, in this then I, I would say this is absolutely spot on and it's it, it's my favorite christmas story televised christmas story at least since a christmas carol um and, and probably 
even back <laughs> to a Christmas invasion. I think I generally like the Christmas stories with the word Christmas in the title. That's three now, you know. I think it's really interesting, actually, because, I mean, every year I do think about Christmas specials. And it, it's not something re- we really do here in Australia that much. I mean, we do it very rarely. Um, it, it's definitely a U of K tradition, I suppose. It's tied mm, up with mm. pantomime and stuff like that. And I think every year when I look at other shows that do Christmas specials, and I think, well... You know, you know stuff like EastEnders and all that sort of stuff. They use that opportunity to like kill characters right. and have car crashes and <laughs> exactly right. and explosions. So it it really makes me question or, or, or ask you guys, what is a Christmas special? Is it spectacle? Is it horror? Is it Christmas elements? Or is it some sort of weird mix of all of them? It, it's just something big and surprising. It's a blockbuster. You know, there's a great tradition of watching the Christmas blockbuster movies. And I mm. think a lot of the series try and save up their big, you know, ta-da moments uh, for, for these events uh, to, to make a special event out of it. So it depends on the nature of the show. It could be the Doctor regenerating or if it's an EastEnders, it'll be something particularly miserable and depressing because that's the, the distilled <laughs> essence of EastEnders for you. Um, but, you know, it varies from show to show. I think I like it when they do include elements of Christmas and a nod to the season, um, which, you know, sometimes they do better than others. This this year it was, you know, the whole element of being set, at least in the dream state, on, on Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, and, um, you know, the Santa. I actually did ultimately enjoy Santa. I enjoyed watching Santa, and I enjoyed the banter between yeah. uh, the Doctor and Santa. I love things <laughs> like it's bigger Santa. on the inside. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the band. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and I also... One of the things that lifted this one for me, we finally got to see the doctor really have fun. I liked it when he took the reins of the sleigh and got to be oh, a little I bit of a kid. About that. Yeah, you know, that I was I terrible. Liked... <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> I mean, that that that. I mean, I mean, I know it was a dream, but Grinch, that Grinch. that bit where he no, I mean, it's it's strange because it it's not the Capaldi Doctor. I mean, it's strange because I see now. Um, uh, not 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 production stills, but when he does interviews and stuff like that, or he, you know, he might do like a photograph session, and he smiles occasionally when he's wearing the Doctor costume. That seems so out of place for me. And in this episode where he's in there holding the reins, and he turns, I mean, he, he turns around to Clara and goes, "Look at me, look at me, I'm riding a sleigh," you know, all all you know, sort of giddy as a schoolchild. That just seems so out of place. It was so weird. But that's the point. He finally, he finally got to the point where he could enjoy himself. And I do, I, you know, I thought back, I actually thought back, and forgive me, listener, for, for not remembering your name on the spot, but during our feedback episode, we, we had a fellow that, that wrote in that said that he, the doctor never smiles, that, that he had noticed, at least through the first part of the series, that the doctor never smiles. And, and I, the more I think about it, the more I think he must have been right, because when the doctor does smile, it's pretty creepy. It is. Uh, but, it, that's exactly but, what I'm saying. But it was okay. He was, I just enjoyed the chance to finally let him have some fun and enjoy himself, and I think that was part of the second chances uh, concept that they, that they ended on, which which was really an up note uh, for a change. I think it was David Troughton that sent in that feedback, or it yeah. might have been Michael. <laughs> I can't remember. Michael, no, it was Michael. I, I I think the Christmas special is an event, you know, pretty much what uh, what Ian said again with the blockbuster reference. But I, I I think it's something that is slightly different to usual. One one thing I I did note was, I mean, I watched about three Christmas specials last night at various different programs. And usually I end up liking everything and then I'm slightly disappointed by the Doctor Who Christmas special. This time round, it was totally the other way. Totally the other way. I really enjoyed this. And the Christmas special of Miranda, which I should never watch, was absolutely diabolical. 
and <laughs> there were some other things as well. I mean, the EastEnders thing was even more depressing than, than usual, Trevor. I think they had at least three people <laughs> die and one murderer uncover, uh, uncovered. <laughs> but no tangerines, though. No tangerines, as far as I could tell. Oh, but, obviously um, not a true Christmas special. They're <laughs> just I, pretending. I, I don't have a problem with Capaldi smiling either, not just because it's Christmas, but because the guy is allowed to change. You don't just get pigeonholed as the grumpy doctor, unless, of course, you're the war doctor, I suppose. But, you know, you are allowed the full gamut of emotions and sometimes you uh oh, you express no. you express emotions that you don't normally that's just being human i suppose even though he's a time i but. would tend to disagree i mean mm. we, we we've had a doctor that's built up as a grumpy doctor and and i think i mean i've mentioned before i think he has mellowed but he's certainly mm. still an angry person he's a grumpy person and i think the christmas special has finally got us to a point where there's that wonderful mixture between his contempt for people and his, uh, I don't know, his willingness to help them. I mean, that fantastic thing where he rushed back in from the last dream sequence <laughs> and he said, are, are you, the are same you still all the same people? Sorry, <laughs> I've deleted you. That 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 was a fantastic balance. So I, I, I would tend to disagree with you that I don't think it's good for the Doctor to, to change so dramatically. I mean, I don't want next year for us to go down the journey of him becoming, you know, like a fun-loving David Tennant-type Doctor no, or no, a Matt Smith extremes, Doctor. because isn't it? Because, yeah. because, because, no, but I mean, then, then you end up with a different Doctor. Well, look at the sixth Doctor within Big Finish. You've got a brilliant Doctor who's, who's a million miles away from the televised version. Uh, and I think it, I think the development of a character, regardless of, of what way round it is, whether he's a very happy person and slowly becomes more jaded and concerned with his life, like the tenth Doctor, to, to uh, a, a degree where he gets in front of Davros and Davros says, yeah, look what you do to your companions. He starts in a very light, fluffy place in the Christmas Invasion of New Earth and it just gets worse, whereas Capaldi has started off in a very dark place and I have absolutely no problem with him learning from his experiences and the people that he's with. I like seeing him smile. He smiled once in um, yeah. Dark Water as well. Um, and it, it, kind of, it, it, it kind of just works even more than you would otherwise expect it to because it isn't something mm -hmm. that he's doing all the time. So what do we end up with? Do we end up with all our modern series doctors coming back to some sort of general homogenised baseline? In the end, there's no real distinction between them because they're all striving to get back to someone that's <clears throat> nice to be with. No, that's, that's not what I'm saying. I mean, I, I think if you listen to your performances on a few podcasts, Trevor, there are some times when you're very, very grumpy. There are other times when you are very happy and silly. And I think that you just kind of <laughs> mix the two at times because fundamentally they're all still Trevor. It just depends what episode you get. I'm not a Time Lord. I'm, I'm not a Time Lord that we've spent 50 years... Also, as going when when we have a regeneration, we end up with a dandy, no, or you, we end up with you, a bohemian, right. or or we end up with a young, innocent, mean doctor. Um, I I think the doctor shows us different facets of our own personalities. That we're all of those people. Yeah. We're all the doctors within one person, and every incarnation shows us a different side to our own personality and, and that's why it resonates with some people and that's why it doesn't with some others. Quite possibly and also you, you are right, I, I never mistook you for a Time Lord because a Time Lord is right at least twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> well look, you're meant to have really crap jokes aren't you at Christmas? Yeah. I'm just at being this the point cracker. James I can guarantee I'm going to live longer than you. <laughs> <laughs> I am the Christmas cracker of the DWP. Can I go back to bed now? Sure. Have you eaten your tangerine? <laughs> no, I still have my tangerine. I'll, I'll well, have to get that tomorrow. I think everyone here in the camper van needs to have a slice of mandarin and a tangerine, and then we'll all go back to bed, 
and uh, call this a day for another Doctor Who podcast, I think. So thank you, Ian. You're welcome. Thank you, James. You're welcome. And thank you, Michelle. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all. We'll see you very, very soon, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Merry Christmas, everyone. You've been listening to the Doctor Who podcast, brought to you this week by Trevor, James, Michelle and Ian. And special guest star, The Tangerine. You can check out more episodes of the show at thedoctorypodcast.com or tuck down on a tangerine while you check out Facebook, Twitter or drop by the Doctor Who podcast forums while eating a tangerine, of course, and see what's happening there. Thanks for listening. Keep those tangerine sales bubbling along. Catch you later. Catch you later.